Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with award-winning Mexican-born jazz drummer Antonio Sanchez. He opened up about his new 2022 CD called Shift, Bad Hombre Volume 2. This album is the sequel to the 2017 Grammy-nominated Bad Hombre. On his premiere release for Warner Music, he approached a who's who of collaborators, some of his favorite singers and songwriters, for material he could deconstruct and reimagine, including the likes of Dave Matthews, Pat Metheny, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross, along with many others. So, he was born in Mexico City and began playing drums at the age of five and performed professionally in Mexico's rock, jazz, and Latin scenes in his early teens, while also being a gymnast on Mexico's junior national team. He's got a great story. We get into his evolution, current touring, and so much more in this post-COVID world. Enjoy. Hey, I've been a fan of your work. I've, I've profiled you very well on Neon Jazz, so it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you for taking a minute out today. Oh, thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. So let's get it. Before we get into Bad Hombre Volume 2, I want to know, you know, this last two years has been rather tumultuous for the world of artists, especially the jazz community. How did you survive it, and how has that process changed you now that, you know, we're kind of waking up, you got new material, live shows, that kind of thing? Uh, I have to be honest, you know, it's, it, it was very rough. Uh, I mean, it's no secret for most musicians, it was very rough for, for a lot of artists. Of course, there were some silver linings to it, the fact that we were home a lot, uh, it, cre- it allowed me, for example, to create this record shift, Battle Volume 2, that it would have been a, a different record, I think, if uh, the pandemic wouldn't have happened, just because of the amount of time that all of a sudden I had. And it lent itself to be the kind of record that I could really spend a lot of time on. I, I actually been doing a lot of um, talks lately. I did uh, a tour with uh, Pat Messini, the one that actually we were about to do when the pandemic started in 2020 in Latin America, South America. I did a, a bunch of free talks uh, with um, musicians over there, and uh, it was just to talk about our experience with um, the pandemic, how everything just kind of started again, uh, but it all feels different to me now. Um, it's uh, we went kind of back into trying to work and tour and and without really talking a lot about our trauma, you know. Also because of the economy being so strained right now, the cultural moment, um, you know, it just feels hard, really hard out there for creative music. I feel like. Um, you know, the pandemic brought more income inequality. You know, I think the the people that were really rich became kind of more rich <clears throat> in some ways. I feel almost the same way uh, culturally speaking. Like people and things that were really popular, it seemed like they got even bigger. And the things that were struggling to find some oxygen in the music industry... Um, it it, uh, it got even more compressed. So I feel like for creative artists, things are harder than they've been in a long time. I think. Talk to me a little bit about this album specifically. How how did you kind of construct this this album? How did it come together for you? Well, I wanted to do another uh, Barombre project, which uh, when the Barombre project to me now it just means that 
is complete freedom. I, I can do anything. Uh, it doesn't have to be a jazz per se record. It doesn't have to be anything particular except just kind of finding, you know, a new way of making music all by myself in my studio by layering a million things. I have all the, the resources that I need here. And I discovered when I did the first Bad Ombre in 2016 that, you know, I didn't really need actually to write uh, songs or tunes like the way I've done in, in other records, which I also enjoy quite a bit, that process, obviously, of writing, making a, a, a very concise composition, then playing it with the band, recording it. But this has been a lot more intuitive. The way uh, these records have come about is just, you know, a, a little bit more a stream of consciousness, if you will. I don't sit down to write, uh, like really, I just kind of try things and, and record things and layer things. Uh, so it's, it's a, a completely different kind of creative process. So when I was thinking about doing another Bad Ombre volume, uh, I was down in Mexico and I listened uh, to, to a great concert of a, a friend of mine, Silvana Estrada, who is a great singer-songwriter from Mexico that is blowing up right now. And uh, I heard her do this song that uh, was just her with her quattro guitar. And it was a 5-4 time signature. It was a really haunting song about the disappearance of women in Mexico. And and I, I thought it was so beautiful, and I asked her if I could maybe have that song, just her voice, the quattro, and the click track, and then her permission to just kind of let me experiment a little bit with it. And I started recording a bunch of drums, layering uh, a lot of keyboards and synths, and layering a lot of drums, too. It, it was just like a producer's playground to have this beautiful song, and then just not even have to ask the artist for you know, uh, permission to, can I layer this or can I layer that? Yeah, I just had free reign. So I worked on it for, for a couple of weeks and then I, I really liked the result. I sent it to her. She really liked it too. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, you know, I could do a record like this, just getting material from different artists with their own voices and any other um, element they would want to give me. Some people would give me, like Silvana did, a guitar. Some people would give me some synths. Some people would give me a guitar. So all of a sudden, I had this raw material that I could work with. And to me, storytelling is very important. Uh, when I write, when I improvise, I love a great you know, novel or a great um, movie. You know, storytelling is, is something that that can be incredibly compelling. So I asked this set of artists because they are all great storytellers, and and you know, a lot of the things that are important to me, like social justice, human rights, uh, women's rights, uh, depression, anxiety. You know, a lot of things that I, I don't think they're talked about enough sometimes. Uh, I, this artist, I, I knew that would have a lot of substance uh, in their composition. So that's why I asked this particular set of artists. And all of a sudden, I had all this raw material from this incredible singer-songwriters. And I just had also the permission 
to reimagine everything the way I see it musically, as with with the battle concept of me playing everything. You know, with the backdrop of what we've lived through with COVID, it has to feel good to have a project like this where you literally get the chance to have full freedom and to kind of explore. Was there a level of this that was therapeutic and cathartic with this project specifically coming out at this time and, and, and this place in the world? Completely. I mean, I, I feel like um, a lot of the music that is coming out, a lot of art that is coming out, I think it's a direct uh, consequence and reaction to to the trauma that we suffered during COVID. So, I mean, of course, you know, you might think that, oh, well, we were just home and we, you know, it wasn't that bad, which, yeah, when you look at it that way, it wasn't, but the world changed fundamentally after that. And we're experiencing still uh, the consequences of it uh, culturally, economically, politically. Uh, so, yes, it was very cathartic and therapeutic to have all of this beautiful material to work with and to have the time to uh, really get really deep into the, the weeds with it. You know, the other beauty of you, Antonio, is that you're very, you know, you're very driven socially and politically. And I think this this time that we've lived through was a really big Bob Dylan moment for artists. It was the time to step up and to give people not only art, but some level of reassurance that we're not swimming through some weird malarkey of an alternate reality in our political system. So have you felt any extra level of like really wanting to get your voice out there, a sane voice in a world that's just drowning in, in absolute silliness that's going on with the politics and all of these rights that are getting reverted on? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I've been talking about a lot in interviews or even on the gigs, like when I get on the microphone, the moment that we're leaving, living right now is um, is just the lowest common denominator in, in a lot of things. Uh, in art, in culture, it seems like what is the most popular uh, thing in everything when you turn on the TV or when you look at social media or music, it just seems like it's just the, the stupidification of society and culture in general that seems to keep going. And there doesn't seem to be uh, an end in sight on how bad things can get and and how just stupid, really, um, uh, things can get uh, culturally speaking. You know, just not really having any substance behind it. So uh, one of the things that that I've been thinking a lot about lately is that people that are trying to do things with a lot more depth and 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 something that can be poignant and that can really make it make a difference, uh, inspire people. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the resistance right now. It's the counterculture. I feel like the the culture in general right now is so shallow that when people try to do something that goes beyond that, I think it's a little bit of, um, uh, yeah, the resistance in a way. And people that like listening to or, or uh, things that have more, more depth uh, and the artists that want to do things that have more depth, you know, we are not the norm right now at all. And our little environment to operate on has shrunk 
you know, it, it has gotten smaller after the pandemic, you know, because we are at the bottom end of the disposable income uh, chain. Uh, people don't seem to have a problem paying, you know, $500 to see, like, some, you know, really, really poppy artists, which, I mean, there's great pop artists, but like I said, I, I feel like the common, uh, the, the, the common thing right now is, is just not, not quality per se, it's just popularity and, and fame and, and celebrity that attracts people. You know, so we we are really struggling with with our creative um, part of the music industry, but you know we're just gonna keep doing it because we have no 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 other choice but but to keep hammering at it. You know, the other night I saw here in Kansas City a local group. Um, Arnold Young is a longtime Kansas City drummer, and he has a group called the Rough Set. It's kind of an avant band. It was amazing. And, and, you know, and that's the thing, like you're saying, you know, these guys are on the fringe of popularity, but it was an amazing amalgamation of music in a room that should have been spilling with people. And it was affordable. And it was just, it, it was enlightening. It was the height of art. And you're right. It's like everybody's, like, freaking out about Taylor Swift tickets now. And it's like there's art and jazz happening in all of these cities all across the world. And these artists are putting everything out there. And it's amazing that, the attendance figures are so low, especially in a town like Kansas City that's an original cradle of jazz music. Yeah. I mean, we just did a tour in the States. We did an East Coast run and then a West Coast run. It was like two and a half weeks. Uh, we had, you know, a fair amount of gigs. But it, it, I noticed how difficult it is to get people to come out right now. There are so many incentives to not come out, plus the economy that it, it was just a lot of hit or miss, you know. And the people that came, they loved it. And they they were very, even thankful for the fact that we are bringing something that is very, very original and refreshing and entertaining. And and also uh, is, um, is, is not um, too, too complex in a way. It has depth, but, but it's, it's um, attainable. People understand it. Uh, but it is very sad to see how, um, you know, it has gotten so, so compressed. Plus, obviously, the economy is not helping. But it is just very hard for people to commit to, oh, well, I'm going to go out and, and see some, some music. And, and in a way, you know, we saw a, a friend of ours that was playing in New York a, a few, a couple of weeks ago. And we, my wife and I, we must have spent like um, almost $150 maybe between the cover charge and a couple of drinks and a little something to eat. It's just really incredibly expensive sometimes, uh, especially here in New York. So, you know, all these factors definitely don't help and uh, for us artists to to enjoy a little bit more of um, audience figures, you know. And, and it's incredibly stressful to go out on tour right now because... Uh, you don't know if people are going to show up. Uh, the promoter doesn't know if people are going to show up, so they're super nervous. Some promoters want to cancel gigs months in advance because they haven't sold any tickets. Um, expenses are through the roof, of course, with gas, flights. You know, uh, I'm, I'm bringing five people on the road, and it's it's. I mean, when I look at my credit card bill, just even before the tour starts, I, I'm floored by <laughs> by the expenses. Yeah. 
you know, and uh, a lot of um, venues take a big cut from merch as well. You know, so it is just, and, and of course, the fees for musicians have not gone up at all. You know, so you're kind of working with the same um, budget that you were working with, you know, four years ago, five years ago, except that everything is, uh, you know, 20% more expensive, something like that. Well, the one thing, Antonio, I hope you feel and you understand with the people that do come to your shows is there's a definite level of appreciation that I think I feel personally somewhere in the crowd that is, has been heightened because we were away from the music for as long as we've, we were from. And, and there is such creativity, and I hope that you do feel that those who are there appreciate what you do. I know I always have. And I'm wondering if you even do feel that from the crowd now. Oh, completely. I mean, like I said, you know, the people that do come, they are very, very into it because they they need it. You know, they need this uh, kind of a, a resistance music that I was talking about that is not what you're going to see on TV. Every, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just floored every time I turn on the TV and there's any, any kind of music that they're showing is just it's usually so bad you know and and i i see all these artists playing this humongous places you know packed and you know i i listen to the music and i'm like you know it's just so the, the level is very low it's just incredibly commercial you know it, it, you can see that it's designed for it to do that you know, is is not about death. It's not about anything except is is just a hook that people can sing, and you know the the image of uh, of the band has to be a certain way, and it's just kind of sad, you know, to be standing on the other side of things where you're trying really hard to to do things with death, but it's very hard to get larger numbers of um, of uh, you know an, an audience that will be. There for you, but the ones that are are very very into it. That that is absolutely true. So I want to bring a quick tie in here to Kansas City and, and your experience. Pat Metheny, I actually moved to his hometown in January 2020, right before the pandemic began. And oh, every wow. every interview that I would have, I have amassed so many wondrous Pat Metheny stories that I'm going to have to do something with it at some point. Just wonderful stories. So. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet, so, yeah. Well, you're in the epicenter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, the one thing about you, Antonio, is that you've always stayed relevant. You know, you've you've been on the scene for so long, and I'm curious, what's been what's been your key to like evolving and staying relevant and and just enjoying what you're doing as a jazz musician? You know, I I feel like. Um, it's just very important as an artist just to keep moving forward. You know, I I feel that stagnation is the worst enemy of art. And things keep changing. Life keeps changing. You know, everything is moving so fast right now uh, that sometimes it's easy to get lost in, you know, what to do. But uh, one thing that um, I feel it's, the duty almost the responsibility of an artist is just to keep that internal um, research what else is there that i could do you know what else can i bring 
out into the world that hasn't been, been brought out already. You know, if you listen to my first album and then you listen to this last one, you know, it couldn't be more different. I mean, it's like if, um, you know, the, and, and some people might not like it, you know, that's, that's the thing. Some people might prefer what I did on my first record playing with Chicory and Pat Metheny and Chris Potter and David Sanchez than what I'm doing now. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Uh, because it's it's my journey is what I need to do, and a lot of times I look at uh, the maybe the greatest example of that is Miles Davis. You know, the way he started playing bebop and then the, the birth of the cool. I mean, I'm, there's people that love that stuff and hated it when he started doing Cyndi Lauper and Michael Jackson films. You know, but that was his journey. He, he had to do it, and you know, he he didn't care. Uh, he was doing it because it was something he needed to do. And I, I see art that way. You know, I have no idea what I'm going to be needing to do in two years or five years. But I think you have to be honest with yourself and see what, what it is that you're living in the moment. And we are reflections of our moment. So this album that I just put out, you know, it's kind of a reflection of, of where I am right now and what I'm trying to do. So I think if you are honest with your work, I think uh, people will will resonate with it. I absolutely. I, I do too. So if anyone out there wants to see you on tour, how how is your itinerary kind of expanding throughout the rest of this year and in next? How can everybody get involved? Well, we just finished the, the the big tour this fall, which was the the U.S. tour. So I mean, we've done uh, scattered things here and there, but right now, as you can imagine, it's it's hard to get a, a a tour going. I mean, I read more and more articles every day about people that have completely either canceled their tours or or postponed because of uh, financial reasons, because of uh, mental stress. I mean, it's so stressful to go out on tour right now because you just don't know what you're going to be faced with in terms of uh, expenses and stuff. And also you don't know uh, how it's going to be with the, with the attendance. For a lot of those reasons, it's really hard to put on tours right now. So we were lucky that we were able to have this like um, almost three week tour just now, uh, but that's going to be the, the that's going to be it for the year. I mean, there's there's sporadic things here and there. We're doing a TV show, um, Good Day New York, this Monday, but uh, I, I think it, that's it for the year. And then next year, hopefully, we're we're going to be getting some some more work. But it's uh, it's a little unpredictable right now, to be honest. Antonio, thank you for opening up. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the music. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. I, I appreciate the, the opportunity. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Mexico, New York City, L.A., Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Antonio for his time, class, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.